0: Would I love to see the brand still around? No. <laughs> because it had departed so much. YouTube was a place where you found hat videos and dudes getting hit in the nuts. Like, that's that's what YouTube was when we started. Screwtech was not a get-rich thing. It was strictly done out of passion, which I think is why it resonated with so many people. The people signing off on this, they don't know your brand. When you have an audience, when you have a brand, you have an intimate relationship with them. They have an intimate relationship with you. So, having to get sign-offs from people who have no idea Anything about your brand is just infuriating. For the three years I smelled Dr. teeth were the worst three years of my life professionally. To say I'm not successful, I mean, with all due respect, go f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to
1: Culturescape, the show that interviews the geek creators and influencers who built nerd culture. He is none other than Craig Skidimus, better known as Stuttering Craig, the creator of the classic video games show ScrewAttack, a founder and pioneer of video game content online. From 2006 to 2016, ScrewAttack entertained millions of fans with its shows, events, and collaborations with discovering some of the biggest names in gaming, such as the Angry Video Game Nerd, Matt Pat and Game Theory, Pro Jared, Guru Larry, Jontron, Destin Legari, and even Gerard Khalil, aka the Completionist, and more on him in a bit. Unfortunately, after the purchase of ScrewAttack by Full Screen Entertainment and then put under the auspices of Rooster Teeth, things began to fall apart. Fortunately now, Craig is back with his new show, Side Scrollers, the number one video game and entertainment podcast on the planet. In this interview, we will dive into Craig's journey from Screw Attack to Side Scrollers, what went wrong with the original company, his insights on the evolution of gaming culture, the gaming journalism's, and his vision for the future of game content online. So sit back, relax, and enjoy
0: this conversation with Stuttering Craig. What a what a nice intro thank you for that
1: <laughs> thank you no I I wanted to make sure I had it all tight and ready to go because I was excited to uh, to speak with you you know I'm just at the right age when I uh, was a young adult you know starting to enter college that was when screw attack blew blew up and that I, I have so many fond memories you know between uh, 2006 2009 of you know, Going to the website, downloading the podcast, uh, and you know watching it. I'm on like a little little iPod touch, right? right. big. Uh, really enjoyed it back in the day, and it, I followed it as it kept going, and then it just kind of disappeared, which was uh, sad. But th- that yeah. happened to a lot of people during that period. A lot of the early creators that were in the 2000s, something
0: happened, and then we lost them to this current age we're living in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... I- for us it was um I, I would say screw attack left with a uh, whimper after i left the company and it was uh, it, it was kind of foreseen you know um it was one of those things where it's like would i love to see the brand still around no <laughs> because it had departed so much uh from from what i was doing and the reality of you know it being rebranded which i'm sure we'll get into uh to death battle was something that anybody who was looking at it could have Seen from a mile away, it was going to happen. I mean, everybody, you know, like I left the company. I was like, well, that's the end of that, you know, which, you know, sucks. But at the same time, I I was fully, uh, fully okay with it. So. Yeah. When you,
1: when you started Screw Attack and it became big, you're a pretty young guy. I think I read up, uh, you had recently uh, graduated with a degree of journalism from the University of North Texas. You had played as a slam ball star, which I don't even really know what that is exactly. It's uh is it, that the basketball spinoff where they they do they do all the dunks? I've, the one with the trampoline was that?
0: Yes, it's, it's basketball with uh, trampolines. They actually brought it back this year. They tried to reboot it over on ESPN. Uh, but yeah, I did I did it twenty years ago, and I, I wouldn't consider myself a star in it by any means. But it was you know when there's only sixty four players that are playing it. I mean, I guess technically. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun experience. I finished up school uh, in 2005, and had this degree in journalism. Didn't really know. I, I mean, I, I wanted to do something in journalism, some like specifically sports journalism. I wanted to do play-by-play um, or, you know, basketball, football, whatever. And I came to the realization that that wasn't going to happen uh, pretty quick unless I knew somebody, and unless I could get some sort of internship at a you know major uh you know major was major league or major uh, nba or something along those lines and just work underneath a major person because that that business is all about relationships so i was like well i can i can try to get like some minor league job and you know call double a baseball games and you know lincoln nebraska or whatever and hope somebody dies and eventually move up the list but that's not really how it works either so uh, that's where the idea of talking about video games kind of came into play because I'd always been a big video game guy. Um, love video games. And, uh, like most people, they have their their dark period where they kind of step away from games for a little bit to focus on other things. You know, I did that a lot. In college, games were more of like on the periphery, periphery for me. Um, you know, I was doing all sorts of other things in college, slam ball and, you know, working at Disney and just trying to figure out how to get through school um because i didn't live on campus i was a you know a commuter and and uh, at the time you know my connection to games was was really through tom uh tj who who uh was started screw attack with and he's the one who kept me connected to games and um but the idea of starting starting uh a website or a, a podcast in particular uh, about video games and it was actually our thought was start a radio show about video games and that eventually became podcasting and this is like so before podcasts were a thing this is so you know everybody has a podcast now and yeah uh, d- I, apple has like a section for it on its shop but that's about it right right and uh this at the time where you know it, we didn't even know it was called podcasting it was just a, i think our early early side scrollers was called side scrollers radio because we were trying to emulate radio as much as best we possibly could but yeah, we started ScrewAttack um, and we found a really great niche for us uh, after about nine months of just trying to figure out what we were doing. It's very similar to side scrollers today in that uh, it takes a while to figure out kind of what you're doing. And specifically back then, there was no monetization structure at all to making a living online. Um, so we were essentially doing this for free, uh, figuring out what it is we were doing and i was more or less sending emails to bigger companies trying to figure out if they would actually pay us or if they wanted to work together uh to make make videos for them uh because we knew we had started to make we started to make videos did this little video game vault series and eventually we got a bite uh, like i said i spent pretty much all day sending cold emails and eventually got a bite and that was kind of the the first push of the snowball down the hill which allowed us to really gain momentum and allowed us the opportunity to uh, make a living doing what we were doing, which was like crazy to us that we were able to do that. So it was it was cool. It was fun fun to figure it out.
1: Yeah, the internet was uh, in a completely different place for our younger viewers. Uh, almost all the infrastructure we have now, whether you think it's it's YouTube or how people get paid, you know how it's set up. You have an ad network, or you have sponsorships, or you have a subscriber system. None of that existed in 2006. Uh, yet you you know this to give you an idea about how big screw attack was back in the day just in its early period so the first three years 2006 2009 you guys had over 245 million downloads which is insane because it's not youtube where you just you accidentally bump into a video you actually have to go out like really out of your way go to the site download the file you know internet's much slower that takes all the time then you have to put it on your favorite device and then watch it so to, to consider that many people were checking out your content before streaming is thing that's just you know that
0: blows my mind yeah, such it, an accomplishment it was you know if you put that into today i mean if you were to have that today 245 a, a, a youtube channel that is 245 million views uh over the course of a, of a couple of years that's that is a massive youtube channel and this is all done you know directly through websites youtube was a place where you found videos and dudes getting hit in the nuts like that's that's what youtube was when we started <laughs> and there was no monetization structure and uh really the, the the big partnership that we had that really exposed us to a lot of people was we worked with a, a company called game trailers and game trailers was owned through mtv and that's where you went you went to go find game trailers that was the whole idea behind it trailers for video games and we were the first real third party they worked with to create uh, to create new original content. And there was a thirst for it and we hit and what we were doing, we did top tens in this like retro game series called the Video Game Vault as well as uh, brought the Angry Video Game Nerd over. Uh, and that was just like such a wonderful recipe for success. I mean, our, those Video Game Vault videos on average, they were doing 300,000 views um, and the top tens were doing millions of views. And uh, James's videos were doing millions of views as well. And like once again, this is two thousand, two thousand seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, drastically different time. Where you know we were we were we saw success because for a number of reasons, um, I think we what we were doing was drastically different, and there weren't many people doing what we were doing. Um, it was it was considerably harder to make content back then. Uh, than it is today now you just set up your phone you can do everything on your phone without having a nice camera um you you know your phone has editing equipment it has audio video you can live stream from it it's all right there and uh then there's such a manual process you had to record things on tape you had to bring it over uh import it to a device then bring it into editing equipment which wasn't available as readily as it is now now there's free editing software Uh, But you had to have Final Cut or some sort of program like that, which was expensive. And there were a lot of barriers to entry uh, into before you get into content creation. And we were able to, you know, you look back at the content, it's not like it was like great content. I mean, it was fun. It had a lot of personality and there's a lot of funny like one-liners and stuff. Um, And I think those kind of hold up, but the quality of it was so poor compared to what the content that's created today, Uh, just from a visual perspective. And, you know, we're talking like 240p compared to the you know this interview is probably going to be 1080p or 720 Mm -hmm. definitely a high definition um so it was to put that in perspective the video quality we were using was was you know probably like this size (laughs) you know compared (laughs) to this this video so infinitely smaller and when you look back on it it's all blurry and gross and nasty but once again product of its time for sure
1: yeah, that's that's one of the unfair criticisms uh, projects from that era get. Like they say, oh, look at all these terrible, all this cringy, uh, negative humor. You know, all those terrible people. What were they thinking? You know, and, but that was that was <laughs> back then. That was definitely the time you could make jokes that were you know uh, more adult in nature or making fun of people for certain things that you just if you said them now on YouTube, there's a good chance you get you know a strike or taken down.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I won't, I won't apologize for that. I like, yeah, things were said and and we did things that you know today is inappropriate. Like, fuck off. Yeah, you know, sorry if I if I can't curse, but um, like people people want to get on their high horse. You see this all the time on the internet. Where people want to get on their high horse and talk about, oh, you, well, you can't say this, you can't do this. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, right? Um, and the idea of this, you know, gamer culture and how it's shifted over the years, it's 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 really silly. Really, the only thing that's shifted is people are scared to say what they actually feel and uh that's the main shift because people are scared so um and that's one thing i've never been i've never been scared of of people or actions or uh and i think that's one of the things that made screw attack work and i think that's one of the things that makes uh side scrollers work is when you look back on the parallels between what we're what we did then and what we're doing now it's all the same screw attack was counterculture to what what uh, the what the gaming space was then gaming space then was buttoned up it was suits and ties it was um, really polished you know IGN was this was this um, you know mo- this mega mega corporate thing owned by Fox at the time even game trailers like uh, in our my conversations with with game trailers and, and their GM at the time he was like we love you guys because you can say things that we can't say and that's why screw attack worked cuz we would say things that that <laughs> that even the people that were paying us couldn't say. And we're doing the same thing today with side scrollers. Side scrollers today is the counterculture to what gaming is. Gaming today is is scared and frigid and and side scrollers is strong and we we say what they're chest out and we're not scared to to say things that everyone else is thinking. So um there's definitely you know my my whole strategy after we figured out what sides what, what screw attack was and what sides goals was was uh you know just be honest <laughs> be honest that's the biggest thing so yeah. that that is hard though for some people to be honest,
1: especially these days it feels like whether it's journalism or video content creation so much of it is very performative uh, that there's is that kind of expectation that you should say or do whatever might make the audience or your advertisers happy versus it's like back in the day you guys were like oh we have this kind of odd idea for a video you know let's just do it now let's try it out let's see what happens and you know even if it's a little bit cringe you know we'll find out if it works or not and if it works we'll keep doing it if not we'll try something
0: else right so there's there's this video in particular uh that i go back to that uh people at screw attack were like please don't like i I did some i've done some reaction stuff to old screw attack videos and people were like please don't react to that video and i'm like So this video was a, uh, it was an old Japanese game show, right? And the idea was you had uh, had this, this Chad, Chad was uh, acting like a Japanese game show host. So he's like all over the place speaking in broken English, right? And, (laughs) and he's like, you know, they're like, please don't show, please don't show this. It's, it's, it's so bad. It's like, it's not bad. The funny thing about that is that you have this white guy who's, who is so like, it's funny that it's so bad that's what's funny about it. Like we're not going for authenticity at any moment. The fact that it's so, it's such a parody is what makes it funny. And that's amazing that like people would be so gun shy to, to want to show off that video today. And it's so, so silly to me, you know, it's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You got you, your show is just so influential, even still in ways. I don't think a lot of people, I mean, if they like screw attack, they probably know, but maybe the younger viewers do not. It's like, like Matt Pat and Game Theory, uh, Pro Jared. I mean, there's so many people. Uh, Gerard Khalil, a, mm-hmm. the completionist, too, is now in a world. of Like, there's so many people that you either discovered or work with or, or brought to the attention that are now superstars in different ways. Some of those people, I would say, Matt Pat and Game Theory, they are those kind of people that, that are that are kind of like today's uh, suits and ties when it comes to video game creation
0: content yeah we definitely had when you look at like the video game space and you play the old kevin bacon game the seven six degrees of separation whatever i mean we're one or two degrees away from everybody we either worked with somebody directly or they worked with somebody like we're right there and we were i think that goes to say with the amount of the amount of talent that there was back then that has continued to evolve um uh today and you know matt's obviously like gone on to see tremendous success he was youtube's golden boy for a long long time still is um and he's obviously like extremely wealthy now uh mainly because you know he sold his company i think it's spectacular uh i you know when he when that happened i sent him a message and said hey man if you need any guidance through this process please let me know i've been through it you know uh and i couldn't be happier for him uh there was you're right we, we there was a lot of people that came literally through our community that have gone on to do some spectacular things and become um become really mainstays the gaming historian uh is started on screw attack John Tron like go down the list of these people who have gone on it to you know, they have millions of subscribers and it's it's really really cool to see to see that I mean and, and it goes back to you know all we did was just provide a little platform back in the day they did it with their with their um, hard work with their work ethic but I would like to think that what we did was provide them with a little bit of hope. Because we used our platform for people and to give them exposure. And um, that was just kind of our way of paying it forward. And and they've obviously done the rest themselves. And I think that's awesome. I'm like, I'm super proud of everybody who has gone on to make a career of uh, of doing what they love. Yeah, there's
1: a certain value in, in legacy or seeing that, you know, you put your name into the, the rock surface and to see it still standing today. I think that that is something that anyone that's interested in content creation or having an, you know, if they are, they love something and they want to make a difference, having that kind of impact is, is really special. To give uh, some other people, I mean, Screw Attack was huge. You guys had a, a convention at, at one point for like six, five or six years. You had SGC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys developed some video games. I think you did a collaboration or two with the, uh, the Escapist. Uh, just, just you had so many huge things yet. I was listening to one of the interviews you did and you were saying at game trailers, you're in charge of this company, Screw Attack, which is one of their highest performers. And one of the reasons, that we'll get into why why the company got sold, but you were only making like thirty, three, five thousand a year,
0: even though yeah. your videos were hitting in the millions. Right, right. Yeah. We were um yeah, we were killing it, but there was no money in content creation at the time. Um, so yeah, like for the better part of my entire time at screw attack, I was making 30, like 30, $35,000 a year. And, um, you know, people look back and they said, they, they're like really critical of they're like, well, you know, you, you paid these, these, you know, these people, you didn't pay them a whole lot. I was like, nobody made anything at screw attack. Um, well, I was reinvesting in, in people who were working, but the thing is like all these people have gone on to have full careers in in the gaming space and, and the content creation space. And um, Screwtech was a, like an, just like for, you know, Angry Video Game Nerd and Completionist and JonTron and, you know, all these people we just talked about, it was a stepping stone for people. Um, Screwtech was not for a long time, it was never the intention of like a uh, get rich thing because it was, it was strictly done out of passion, which I think is what people uh, really, why it resonated with so many people. You know, you mentioned SGC, and and uh, you know, we had our, our final year at SGC. Uh, we had fifteen thousand people go through the doors at SGC, which is a major <laughs> that is like, a, that's a major event. Wow. And what people don't realize about SGC is that we ran SGC. This wasn't like we hire a third party to make sure. Like we were at the front doors, we were at registration, giving people their cards. We were the ones, when there was an issue, I was the guy putting off the fires, right? This wasn't like, oh, we're going to make an appearance at our event. We were legitimately the people running it. And then on top of that, like the final year, SGC, SGC cost a quarter million dollars to do the final year. $250,000 a year. And we pretty much broke even. SGC never made money. Um, live events, specifically, once again, this is a time where uh, you know, sponsorships were a thing, but you know, we sponsor our gaming event, uh, you know, uh, and we we never really had that great of relationships with like gaming publishers and such, and uh, we didn't really want to have giant gaming booths at our event, so everything was really mom and pop. Um, so you know, we'd spend this exorbitant amount of money and uh, break even, so it was more like a marketing thing. Um, so, so the content's not making money, the live events, not making money. So how are you making money? How, how are we supposed to pay everybody? You know? Um, and, but when you look back at like our, our, our team at screw attack, I think at one point we had, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 people that were like on salary, uh, at screw attack. And, you know, the company is making, I don't know, maybe $600,000 a year, maybe. Um, and when you do the math on that, it's not a lot of money. And that's not a lot of profit to be put out there, uh, for, for, you know, for people to, you know, to be banking, you know, nowadays, what's again you do that type of you do, um, uh, you know, a hundred million views in a year on YouTube, you got sponsors breathing down your neck and they're paying you, you know, 10, 15 grand, 20 grand to be a part of what you're doing. And, you know, in addition to the advertising revenue, in addition to, uh, you know, memberships and super chats and super thanks and all those things that go along that, the the wonderful monetization tools that YouTube offers. I mean, it's, it's night and day, how much, uh, how much easier it is to make money online nowadays. Uh, whereas back then it was you know pretty much impossible. So, um, you know, once again, it goes back to nobody had, we didn't have insurance, <laughs> you know, like if somebody got hurt, it's like, uh, Uh-oh. you know, um, so there was no insurance, there was no no benefits offered. The benefit was, hey, come work, have fun, let's play some games. And every once in a while, if we have an extra copy of a game, you can take it home and keep it. Like that was the benefit, you know? No, I and I think especially when you just you're starting out and you're mostly young
1: guys, but as the company grows and people are moving into the, you know, the next phase of life and they're having families, that kind of that kind of argument of, you know, you just you just make this surmount, but you won't have benefits, you won't have health insurance. That's a hard. That's a hard uh, uh, argument to make. But I mean, you were. I mean, you guys. You know, I think I will compare you to some of your contemporaries. Let's say the nostalgia critic and everything that went wrong with Channel Awesome. You know, this is back. You know, when before Angry uh, Joe was on YouTube, he was doing Channel Awesome because it's like you said. It's during those early 2000s, people just didn't think you could make money doing this hardly. So they would they would get, gather up into groups or clicks. Um, eventually, YouTube, of course, did become so substantial in being able to pay people, so everyone shifted over. But you guys didn't have the problems that like Channel Awesome did. Channel Awesome, we found out, it was an ethical nightmare. Whereas, in, you don't have those science, same kind of complaints about Screw Attack. Even the people who left Screw Attack are people who think they oh, they should be better for what happened, like Pro Jared. They, they mostly have to say actually no things are pretty okay like like we just separate because we disagreed or it didn't you know we weren't yeah a good yeah won't yeah. none right. of it's like oh you know uh, stuttering craig one day you know he, he took me and he pushed my face in the gutter and
0: <laughs> yeah I right, know right. yeah well and that's the thing is like I, i've always tried to treat people with respect right um and I I honestly feel like all them were my friends. You know, they they they. I was just the guy who had to make the decisions, right? And everybody knew we had to get work done. Everybody knew what 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 needed to be done on a day to day basis. And I think it kind of starts with expectations. And you know, the expectation was get your job done, and then then let's have some fun. And um, sometimes sometimes you know, like I think of one series of videos we did all the time, which was uh, the clip of the week, right? And the clip of the week was a video that went up on Saturdays. And for us, it was kind of like the reward because it was like a skit video where where we essentially just created on the fly uh, on a Friday. We'd we'd figure, oh, it's today's Friday. We need to do a clip of the week, right? And because every Saturday it was going to go up, so we more or less conceptualize this entire thing and have it done ideally in a few hours. But sometimes it would it would go longer, and you know, some of the guys would have to be up a little bit later. I, I would say that'd probably be the biggest criticism, right? Of like, you know, sometimes people work late, but they still got paid for their hour, hourly, you know, hours worked, right? Um, but in what job don't you have to work late? Um, for me, you know, it was all about experiences. And did I have all the answers at Attack? No. Do I have all the answers now at side No, I don't. Um, but I'm just doing the best with what I have available. And um, at the time, it wasn't a whole lot. You know, the fact that we had an office, and that we had chairs and they had a place to go. And, um, I remember thinking it was a really big deal. Like we hired, I remember hiring, uh, I think it was Sean Hines. And he's like, do you, do you have like water? And I was like, you know, you go into these, like we've got acquired by full screen. I remember just the ridiculous amount of amenities that were there, the, the snacks and the food trucks and the water and, and the energy drinks and all the stuff that they had when you went to their offices. And I was like, what world is this? You know? Cause we were <laughs> struggling. Like if, if I bought, uh, you know, a 24 pack of water to make it available, that was like a big deal. It's like, Oh, Craig bought us water, you know, because once again, there wasn't any money to do anything. Um, so <laughs> it was, it was, a. Uh, I think it, it was that was kind of the unique and fun thing about it was everyone was in a different time in their life it was it was before um you know everybody really had wives and kids and It was just a bunch of like single guys and gals who were just coming to work and having fun and you saw that in our in our product and when everyone started to reach that point in their life where they started to have serious relationships and mike in my case uh you know have kids um get married things like that that's where that's where things start started to shift okay well we probably should offer insurance what does that look like how much does it cost Oh, sh- we can't really afford this all right um and you know kind of fast forward a little bit to the end uh, where we you know where we were uh, acquired by Fullscreen there was a um we had this relationship with Game Trailers it lasted for a long time we did exceptionally well um with them and it really rose a lot you know the brand awareness for screw attack and ultimately it was a trickle down effect for for a lot of people which was great but there reached a point to where gate you know youtube had started started to take over um game trailers traffic had started to decline they didn't have the budgets that they that they did before but um game trailers was like our primary income source like once again we're not a partner with youtube at this point we're not you know we're making pennies every month from youtube um so our primarily primary revenue revenue line was was creating content for other people so game Trillers came to us when one of our contracts expired and they're like look we're gonna offer you a deal it was a five-year deal worth uh two hundred and fifty thousand a year it was it was a 1.25 million dollar contract for five years And on the service, you're like, wow, they're offering you a million dollars. That's outstanding. Right. But if you do the math on that, you're, you're, you're getting a quarter million dollars a year for five years. And the amount of people that we had working there is like, well, uh, I remember being very transparent with everybody. And we went to Wendy's one day, we went to Wendy's and all got our burgers and stuff and I laid it out. I was like, like, Hey guys, listen, we have, we got this offer on the table with game trailers and everybody can do their job and have fun for the next five years right but nobody's really going to get any raises we're not going to like you know do a whole we're not going to be able to do any big events it's pretty much we know what our income is going to be and it's going to be fun or and this is like the first time it was really discussed we can kind of go all in try to grow and sell um and unanimously everyone's like let's go all in and let's try to sell and that was kind of the first first time we really thought about that and um and that goes back to the idea of like we couldn't afford insurance. So let's do what's best for these people. That was that was my thought was let's do what's best for everybody here. Let's give them the opportunity to make a decent wage. Let's give them the opportunity to uh have insurance. Um and that that was like my promise was like I'm gonna do my best to get you guys fair wages and uh bonuses and all that stuff. And I feel like I feel like I did a good job of that ultimately. Um, you know full screen came through and they, they were interested in acquiring us. Uh, we talked for like six months. Uh, eventually the acquisition went through, uh, but not without like a ton of negotiation and hassle. And one of the biggest sticking points on that was, um, was getting everybody that worked for me stock in full screen. And that stock would tr- prove to be incredibly valuable later down the line as, um, as that stock, it was, it was like $10,000 in stock in full screen or 10,000 shares or whatever it was in, in, uh, in stock in full screen. And that for everybody who worked for me, they all got that. And, uh, that stock later came out to over 75, I think it was close to a hundred thousand dollars in, in a, in a bonus later on down the line when, when full screen was sold to AT&T. So that was my promise to them. And, and, um, I feel like I, you know, I always tried to do what was best for the team. That's kinda of how I was raised, uh, in sports and everything else. Do what's best for the team. And while, you know, you may be the captain, you still do what's best and, and that was my thought process. That's always been my thought process and that will always be my thought process. So, um, you know, I like to think that I allowed people an opportunity to to uh use strew attack into a into a better springboard. So
1: No, and it makes sense. I mean you were you were trying to do the right thing. you obviously had tried all kinds of ways to diversify your income. Like you ran a little video game store for a little while. I mean, you were trying all kinds of things to try to figure out a way to make it work. So, And look, you had no idea that full screen, after they bought you, they would make the mistake of putting you under rooster teeth, which that kind of... You could tell me if I'm wrong, but that kind of broke how the mechanisms in your company worked, because a big advantage you guys had was the fast turnaround time. Oh, I have this idea. I want to try it. Okay, go do it. Instead, you were like, "Okay, okay." Paul has this idea. I have to get on my computer. I have to write a few emails. Hello, guy at Rooster Teeth. My 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 intern, Paul. He wants to try a video or Princess Pete. And it's like, is it okay? i like, I don't know if you like it. Maybe you know. It's all that extra time, all that lag time that you now have that you didn't, and right. that makes all the difference in the world.
0: It really stifled creativity. Uh, in a major way. And that was one of the things that was really fun about Stuart was, you you know, you have an idea, do it. But what we found when we got involved with Rooster Teeth was they had a a check system where you had to, you had to get, I think it was like five or six checks from various people uh, before something could get green light into a series. And, and that, like that process could take weeks to do, right? So let's just say, you know i want to do a, an upcoming series about this game or whatever well the game comes out in three weeks usually i'd say okay we'll do it make it happen uh but by the time that game was was done um or was out you know the the check process would would have you know would still be in play um i, I think back to it's, it's really crazy um to think about this but we did a video with achievement hunter where we played this game called amazing frog and Amazing Frog was this stupid little indie game. It was on the OUYA at the time, which nobody remembers the OUYA, but it was like this crowdfunded, mm-hmm. this crowdfunded little console based on a, built on Android. Anyways, Amazing Frog was this game, and we had an awesome time. The video did great on the Let's Play channel. It was great exposure. You know, it was fun. And we had this great little meme that came out of it where we called uh, the pig in it Dave Bacon, right? So, I think Michael from Achieve Hunter was like, ah, oh, it's Dave Bacon. Oh, it's Dave Bacon. And we came back, we did another video, and the thought was like, well, let's do a t shirt about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, in Screw Attack, that would have taken about three days. Right. We, we're going we're gonna to come up with a concept, we're going to get it going. And honestly, the t shirt would probably line up with the release of the video. Right. But at Rooster Teeth, the video was released and that t-shirt, the t-shirt wasn't released until seven months after the video was released. <laughs> so nobody had any idea oh what Dave Bacon was. It had come and gone. So the t-shirt sells a dozen shirts and as as opposed to, you know, uh, 50, 100, whatever. And, and they're like, well, how come your stuff's not performing? It's like, well, how come it takes so fucking long to, to go through this entire process? And once again, the people signing off on this, they don't know your brand. They don't know your. They don't know your audience. They don't know. You know. They don't have intimate. Like when you have an audience, when you have a brand, you have an intimate relationship with them. They have an intimate relationship with you. So having to get sign offs from people who have no idea anything about your brand is just infuriating. I mean, I've, I've said it before. The three years I spent with Rooster Teeth were the worst three years of my life professionally. Um, it's not that they, it's not that they weren't nice people. They were. They were great. Uh, but it, they had no idea who we were. They were. We were lumped in with them. Uh, after full screen, just kind of put us in it, with them. And, um, it was like pulling teeth to get anything done. And, uh, that's ultimately like what led me to leave screw attack and then ultimately start game attack. And, uh, and even starting game attack was like, it was the worst thing ever. The process of that was horrible because, um, whatever it is, what it is. But, um, it was, it was a lot, man. That three years was very trying. There were times where I, it took like, all the joy out of everything that I was doing. And uh, when I left, I was very happy, very content.
1: Yeah, you you kind of got the raw stick doing your research for this, that there is this popular notion online. I was asking some friends, hey, what do you think of you know, I'm gonna have Stern Craig on, what do you think of him? And people seem to largely and it, I I think unfairly blame you for what happened with screw attack. You know, oh Craig he he messed things up. He scared Tom off. Oh he made you know he saw this <laughs> mistake to sell rooster teeth oh craig you know he's horrible etc it's like you know in the context of the time you know how would it how would someone else have made different decisions i mean they aren't going to be fortune tellers they aren't going to know that you know that they're going to make this terrible mistake and your company wasn't the only one a lot of these early internet video pioneers uh machinima was another one that thing was huge and it had huge success had tons of little brands also ends up getting eaten up by company by company you know goes up it gets a little corporation could see them but a little bigger corporation up the chain and then all that content is basically lost media today you guys weren't the only ones this happened to yeah
0: well it, it to be clear like I don't selling selling to full screen was not a bad decision I would do it 100 out of 100 times because ultimately the people who worked for me are the ones who benefited from it right and that was the whole idea of selling um, and as far as Tom goes, like you know, that was a really big controversy, like in 2008, right, uh, where I, I fired fired Tom, and um, and people were like really upset. Like I, if that happened during the age of social media and Twitter, people ah, like people still today are like you you were an asshole, you fired Tom. Had had that not happened, Attack never would have lasted six months, right? We never would have had an opportunity to to grow and do sgc and get to the point because there were such conf- conflicting ideas of what screw attack was supposed to be so like it, it, it wouldn't have lasted six months at all and and uh i i have like no regrets about that at all um you know would i like to sync up with tom at some point sure but he's not, like i have no idea who that guy is right now right it's been 15 years since we spoke or had any sort of like real conversation He's got wife and kids that I've never met. <laughs> he, I I have kids he's never met, like that are almost teenagers. So like, you know, it's like it is what it is. We're at this point, we're just people that we used to know, right? Um, so, you know, and, and the idea of like selling to selling to full screen and working with rich Teeth, I I said I I have zero regrets about that. Um, the 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 only way that I can see myself as you know as as killing Screw Attack was me leaving it uh because when i left screw attack kind of the direction of it went away um and making those decisions that need to be made and it was like a slow decline the reason why i left screw attack primarily was i reached a point to where i i felt we had reached a point with screw attack to where we were going to be fine no matter what we had reached a point to where every year every month on on youtube we're going to have 20 million views every month on youtube we're going to make x amount of money and it's going to be good enough right um and one of the biggest things was i felt like when we had lost i lost a personal relationship with the audience to the points where when we said hey we have a t-shirt coming out hey we have this event coming out um i would say it and then in return people would say Hey, who's gonna win in a fight between Superman and Goku? Right. And that was kind of the response. So our audience had grown dramatically, but it but that relationship had had gone away. Um, which happens at times. So that's why you left and that was the whole idea of starting over with Game Attack was was to reestablish that that relationship, that community that made Screw Attack so special. People treat other people differently than how they would like to be treated.
1: That isn't a surprise to anyone that's ever met a human. Because like people, especially public figures, they, they only really care about what was your last greatest thing. And if you can't continue to put exactly that same type of output, oh, this guy's now a loser. He's like, Oh, he was so you know, it doesn't matter that you were an early internet pioneer, you know, you get you know, almost 300 million people that download your little dinky podcast. You know, you get billions in YouTube and uh, video views across your different platforms. It's like none of that matters. Now he's just a loser because, you know, he hasn't done something really big, you know, in the last, and then you can determine but number
0: like, of years. How do they know? How do they know what I have and have to do it? Like, like what I do online is only the public-facing side of it, right? Like, I have other businesses that, that they have no idea what, like, I spent a year outside of the video game industry, as an executive uh, for a firearms company and like that was a really like rewarding experience and and you know like will side scrollers see the success of screw attack no it's like that was lightning in a bottle but it's it's different than it was back then right like it was like I will take 60,000 subscribers of uh, of people who come and join um join side scrollers on a Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday at 11 a.m central time you know we have 2000 people, 2500 people watching a show that's 9 months old, right? That 2000 people who are joining us, that puts us in the top 0.5% of live streams on the internet, right? How many yeah. how many brands in the first 9 months become the top in the top 99.5% of whatever it is that they're doing? So where are we in 9 months from now? So to say I'm not successful, I mean with all due respect, go f- off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, and I I
0: wasn't speaking for myself it's just no that's... no I no I'm not saying you yeah. you I'm saying just in general those those people so
1: yeah that's uh, a very common uh presumption I think people have online Pe- people will think what they want to think uh it's interesting why well, well, don't though... I
0: don't watch them so they must not be good right that's that's the thought yep. I don't I don't I don't know who they are but there's people on YouTube who have tens of millions subscribers that I've never heard of that are killing it you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh but because I don't watch them does that mean they're not good no it means they that Tens of millions of people see value in what they're doing. But just because I don't watch them doesn't mean they're not any good. It just means that I don't enjoy their content. It's interesting. I feel like since you started
1: and we've been through this stage where it was like, you, like you said, when you started, gaming press was very uh, tightened up. You know, they were wearing uh, shirts and ties. They weren't necessarily funny. They were a bit holier than Val. We're kind of back at that point now and even we're seeing people like the completionist, who I've mentioned uh, twice in this interview. Where you know my friend Vito, he he calls it you know the good guy California. It's this it's this attitude about you have to put this out forward. This really aggressive. I'm the super nicest guy. I'm the nicest guy in the room kind of mentality. And then underneath it, you know, they're they're a grumpy fraud. Right. It's so interesting how we've gone from where you were in 2006, where we're we're kind of in the same place now, where people in journalism are like, is this going to survive? obviously IGN will, but will Kotaku, Polygon, are those still gonna survive? And that's a there's a big
0: asterisk next to that. No. I, I think you know, the we'll see Rooster Teeth fall, Kotaku will go, Polygon will go, because ultimately everything that these companies are doing, specifically, you know, your your news sites can be done on Twitter, can be done on X, you know, like why do you why do you go to these platforms? Uh, you can get it in a headline on on, on Twitter on these social media platforms. Um and they're not, they're not profitable. You know, um, you, you, will continue to see these, these companies, uh, go under because they're, they're outdated. There's no, there's no longer, they're no longer viable. So, uh, but yeah, you, back to what you're saying. Yeah. There, there was a, now more than ever, authenticity is, is paramount. Right. And you see this with the, with these, you know, these nice guys, uh, where it's always like, Hey, smiling. Here we are. It's looking, we're having a great day and how they're in our jolly little fake world. And that that's uh, perpetuated by social media. You know, everyone's got their phones out saying, look at how great my life is. Here I am on the beach, blah, 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 blah. But uh, really what draws people in is, is just the authenticity of, of the whole thing. And, um, you know, like I, I would say the one thing that, that, you know, I, I, People, people go, oh, Craig, you've changed. It's like, no, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't changed at all. I, I still have the same beliefs as I did. Uh, did when ScrewAttack uh, had there, and you asked me then, I'd say the same thing now. Um, I've always felt that that you should talk to all sides. I've always felt that you should uh, give people respect when they deserve respect. Um, you know, and and that's something you know when you look at Side Strollers, that's that's been uh, been a continuous thing. Like right? I will speak to anybody. <laughs> I, I and uh I will have, have good conversations, bad conversations, hard conversations, easy conversations, you know? And uh that's how it's been literally since since day one. And and, and I'll make fun of people when they're doing stupid things, you know, like what's the fun of, of, of making content if you can't laugh at, at dumb things? <laughs> you know? Uh, exactly. Yeah. I, I like I love laughing at things. Like what why can't we just laugh at dumb things?
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's so interesting. The news around uh gaming gaming video or gaming journal is so interesting. Which so we had I mentioned the completionist, we've also now had this huge leak from Insomniac. And yesterday, and you talked about this on your on your show on side scrollers, uh, even today, there's this attitude like if you if you cover the leaks at all, you know, that's going against journals of ethics. If you even if you even talk about, you know, what every single person is talking about online, somehow if you talk about it, you are not only um you're not only pushing for something negative, you're condoning piracy, which is just absolutely silly because it, if the gaming journalism proper are acting like this but if I go to the Washington Post, if I go to a little local TV outlet everyone's talking about it they don't care so so what what's wrong with gaming culture at least the professionals who are the gatekeepers of gaming culture today uh, uh, versus where you know the audience is because you are still so tapped into the audience
0: which is really excellent to see here is the reason why those outlets won't last is because they try to be the, they think they're the gatekeeper. But they're not the gatekeepers. That's the reality. That's the secret to this whole thing. the 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 secret is that the YouTubers who are talking about this, like, there's far more of them than there are of of the Naomi Kyles and the and the kind of funnies and these people who are who are saying, "Oh, we you, you definitely shouldn't talk about this. It's it's a disrespect." And like I said, I I've known Greg for a long time, specifically a kind of funny, right? I I haven't talked to him in a long time, but Greg's always been like nothing but but nice. me right and i've always repaid repaid it um we've had many many good conversations but that doesn't mean i can't disagree with them on this right that doesn't mean we need to be one-to-one lockstep in every single thing ever do i think that it's stupid and elitist to be like no we shouldn't talk about no that's 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 dumb just like any other hobby gamers are going to want to hear about the news that's coming out so to say we're not going to talk about this out of respect for no no get off your high horse take a stick at your ass and realize that if the average person is interested in rumors, that's how it is. That's how it is. Especially leaks when they can see the next six, seven years of whatever this studio is gonna produce. I think that's fascinating and it should be talked about. Now, if you now I, I do think there's a line that you shouldn't be talking about per people's personal information. I think I think most people can agree on that. Um, you know, as far as you know the other th- stuff that came. Yeah, from you that don't leaks. want to be leaking someone's social security. Right, though. of course not. Like, that, it's okay that's... to talk about the new Wolverine game. Right, of course. You know, so uh, and yeah, you, I it's almost tone deaf, really. And I think that comes from, you know, it comes from the surroundings that you're that you're and, and you want to maintain those relationships, man. You know, hey, I want to make sure I I have good my my good buddies at uh at the gaming company aren't aren't upset at me for talking about it. If you're, it's just the reality. If your buddies are that good, if you're that good with your buddies, they'll understand you talking about it. They're gonna be honest with you and you're gonna be honest with them. You're not gonna to try to fluff the relationship. Like if you're that good a buddies, then they'll understand.
1: You made a comment near the start of this interview where you're saying that you realized quickly that if you wanted to get into sports journalism, you you realized that it was not a meritocracy. It was based on who you who you know. That's yeah. where journalism is right now. If it, most people who are just trying to get there on merit, they're, they've either fallen out or they've been pushed out. Uh, which I can speak for myself on that. It's fascinating. Why were you pushed out? Were you pushed oh, out? Yeah, yeah, to some some degree, some degree. Uh, not so much mainstream on the conservative side, but it really is this way, unfortunately.
0: Journalism. Wait, wait, wait! You were pushed. The, the you said the conservatives pushed you out.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day, I mean, I'm a freelancer, but I was moonlighting as a writer for Post Millennial. And then they decided they were going to go heavy on anti-COVID stuff, and they felt like I
0: wasn't part of the team. So, you know, I got to. Well, and that's that's where, okay, and that's where I have a problem with this. People go, like, that's, people go, oh, Craig, you're so right-wing. I'm not right-wing. I'm right in the center. Because here's the thing. I think that if you're, if you're going so heavy into the anti-COVID stuff, or the pro-COVID stuff, which is, you know, whatever, either way is bad, both are bad. Like the idea of journalism is that you see things right down the middle, that's the whole idea. Um, that's the way it's supposed to be. Now that's not how it actually is today, but that's the way I was taught, and that's the way it's been primarily up up until the late 20th century. Um, now, with that said, I am not a journalist. I, I do not pretend to be a journalist, but I do have a journalistic background, um, so I, I have an idea of what what it's supposed to be. But with the, with that said, you know, you talk about the uh, the idea of knowing somebody and making sure that you're, you know, uh, you're in the club. That's the reality. Is that's most businesses, right? Very rarely do you see people who are so talented that they that they can't be ignored. Um, but it always helps to know somebody. You know, that's the rule about you know life. Is that. It's all about relationships it's all about relationships and who you know so
1: yeah I mean I guess it's on it's on a slang scale I think what you're doing with video I think it's more meritocratic in the sense that you know you are more based on the numbers and your ability to perform which comes with its own benefits and negatives but I think I prefer that world over you know you you have to know the right person you have to have the right opinions I just think that's really stodgy. And I think what you were doing with side-scrollers, what you did with Screw Attack, I think that really is uh, the future of content like entertainment, but also news. I think that's where this is going. You know, the models that they put together that the thought would be okay for the internet, you know, based on like banner ads, et cetera, that obviously is no longer working. And, but the people who will still be standing at the end of the day when
0: all the dust settles will be people like you. I hope so. <laughs> I sure own so, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I think side-scrollers is really interesting, um, you know, just doing something every day, um, and w- when you look at, you know, the, the entire idea of side-scrollers was really simple, like, I, I told you, I spent a year outside the gaming space, I when I, I didn't look at video games at all, I was like, I'm done with it, I, I did this, like, retirement video, before I left, I was like, I'm done with video games, I'm never going to talk about it again. And that was like my mindset. I, I was so far out of it. I didn't, looked at, didn't look at any of the video games. I had no idea that new consoles had come out. I had no idea what games were coming out. So when I stepped back in and I looked at just the, the bat shit insanity that's happening in the gaming space, I was like, holy cow. I know that I'm not alone in the way I, the way that, that this is just moronic and how this is, you know, everything that's happening in here. Um, and that was the whole idea behind behind the show and sure enough you know uh it's it's been it's been really great um like i said it it, side scrollers is built around being more than just me and whoever's on the show talking about it right it is an ongoing conversation that is happening in real time with the audience real feedback and it's it's needed it's needed because there are people who are extremely passionate about this and doing a live live show is something that's done a million times. Um, but if you're looking for a place to find, you know, uh, like I've said, said doing a daily, just gaming show is incredibly boring, right? It's, it's very, very hard to do. Um, but I like to think that we talk about the cultural impact of video games and, um, and some of the things that are associated with, with the culture and gaming and entertainment. Um, and that that's harder to do. Um, but it's, it's every day is an adventure with side strollers. And, uh, I really enjoyed the process of kind of getting back to it and, and going back to like, even what screw attack was, screw attack was something original every day. And that was one of the things that really helped us stand out. And, uh, you know, getting back and doing something original every day again with side strollers is really, really fun. And I'm grateful you're doing it. I do like, I like that you
1: are still making an impact. You're still working in that industry that you enjoy. Uh, I love all your, I love your live streams often with Razor Fist. Razor Fist is, he's a, he's a fun commentarian. I don't always agree with him, but he usually uh, holds my attention. I like the, I like the back and forth between you and him. A little bit of ice and fire. So whenever I
0: tune into those, those are always really interesting. They hold my attention well. Every Monday. Mondays with Razor, for sure. Yeah, Razor's outstanding. He's been a really great yin to the yang. Uh, And in 2024, I look forward to having having him on uh, even more, which is great. We'll be solidifying solidifying our lineup even more as we get into uh, 2024. And uh, we'll have some really great guests uh, and announcements when we uh, roll out Side Scrollers Year 2. February 15th. So I've been pl- been working on this for the last month or so and, uh, working on some some good things. So nice uh, thinking yeah. about what's next. That's exciting. No, congratulations.
1: Well, here as we, uh, we turn off cause I know you're a busy man that has to go. Where can people find your stuff online?
0: Yeah, obviously, uh, you can follow us over on YouTube at youtube.com slash at side scrollers podcast. You can follow me over on Twitter or X at, uh, at stuttering Craig. Um, Hit me up, man. We'd love for you to come join us. Uh, it's, you know, the biggest thing with the show is we try to just pound a little bit of common sense into an insane world, a video game world. And uh, every day's fun. Uh, whether you agree with us or not, we hope you tune in. Uh, I don't think you're going to agree with everything that I have to say. I'm probably not going to agree with everything you have to say. But if we all agreed on everything that everybody had to say, wouldn't we live in a really boring place? And uh, I think that's kind of the, the core of, of what we have going on. I would love to hear your thoughts on on all this stuff. So uh appreciate you letting me come on and chit chat with you. Is there anything else you wanted to ask me about before before we go? No, I know
1: you were awesome to take the time for this. And if you ever want to collaborate again, I'm I'm always uh happy to do so. And I, I, I just like this stuff. Like I said, I I was one of those people who downloaded side scrollers to my little my little iPod nano with the screen like, like that big.
0: That's awesome. Uh, so, so getting to interact with you is great. I appreciate that. Now, nah, well, pl- pleasure's mine, and, and uh, thanks for everything, and, and hopefully, you see continued growth, which I'm, sh- uh, I'm sure you will. And uh, I appreciate you lighting this up. And once again, I'm sorry it took so long for, for it to yeah, happen. Yeah, no, no, no problem at all.
1: Well, guys, we're going to wrap this up here. Thank you again to all our viewers uh, and listeners for taking the time to check out Culturescape. The show is sponsored with the help of Bain Books Publishing, an imprint of Simon and Schuster. Thank you, guys. And of course, Young Voices, a journalism advocacy organization. And none of this show would be possible without help from viewers like you. So until next time, my friends, keep geeking out.